Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. May his grace and his blessing be with us now and unto the age of all ages, amen. Brothers and sisters, tonight with great joy we begin the vigil of the fast of the Holy Theotokos St. Mary. As you know, this is a two-week fast uh, that ends in the feast of the Assumption of the Body of the Holy Theotokos into Heaven on August 22nd. And in these days, these holy two weeks or so, we celebrate how God, who did not wish that the body of the Holy Theotokos remain on earth after her death and her departure in the flesh, he assumed her body into heaven. And to help us comprehend the greatness of this woman that we celebrate, not only in these two weeks, but in all of our prayers and our liturgies and our iconography and our personal devotion, to understand the greatness of this woman, we have to remember that her greatness is tied to our salvation. The reason why she is great is because she had a role in the history of our salvation. And it would be helpful for us to briefly consider the history of our salvation. I want to summarize for you basically as much of the Old Testament as I possibly can so that you understand where St. Mary falls in the history of our salvation. As you all know, I'm sure when God first fashioned our foreparents, Adam and Eve, they lived in a life of joy and bliss. There was no death, there was no sin, there was no corruption. God was so near to the human race that it was as though we could hear the sound of his footsteps walking in the garden. He instantly heard all of our prayers. Every time we spoke to him, he was near to us, and he instantly heard our prayers, and we were filled with indescribable joy. The animals didn't fear us, and we did not fear the animals because we were pure and without sin. And so there was no reason for any kind of fear between us and the animals. And because there was no sin, and no death, and no corruption, there was complete peace in the world. No sorrow, no suffering, no violence, no death. A world that is entirely different than the world in which we now live. But then suddenly, something happened. Something happened. We chose our own desires over God Himself. Instead of worshiping God, we began to worship ourselves. And as a result, <clears throat> sin and death entered into the world. You know when you have a glass of water and, God forbid, you cut yourself and a drop of blood comes into that glass of water? that little drop of blood will suddenly make the whole clear glass of water into something that is murky and red. And that is exactly what sin did when it entered into the world through our disobedience. It infected everything. And so after the fall from paradise, the red dye of sin spread very quickly. We shudder, for example, when we read in Genesis 6, and the Lord God saw man's wickedness, that it was great on earth, that every intent of his heart was only evil continually. So God was grieved that he made man. Then God said, I will blot out man whom I created. And you know what happens next. The great flood comes, 
countless people die, the earth basically becomes one huge graveyard. Yet not even the flood and the great tragedy of the flood was enough to stir us into a lasting repentance. Not even the flood made us change our ways. We see that next comes the Tower of Babel. We won't obey God, so what do we try to do? We try to build a tower to be greater than God, to replace God, so that God will have nothing to do with us, at least so we think. And so we try to build this tower, but of course that fails. After the Tower of Babel comes Sodom and Gomorrah. We can't replace God, so now we're going to sin as boldly and as publicly as we possibly can. And we're not going to have any restraint whatsoever. And sin becomes something that snowballs. It gets bigger and worse with time. More disobedience, more death. Hell is now being filled with the souls of these human beings that the Lord God made not for this, but He made us for bliss and peace and paradise. And then we come to the story of Moses and the Hebrews and we see that the angel of death passes over the land and every firstborn male, human and animal dies. And we go into the wilderness and we travel for 40 years trying to find the promised land. And in the meantime, despite our weakness and our sinfulness, God is faithful. He sends us manna from heaven. He sends us water from a rock. He gives us victory in our battles against our enemies, but still we reject Him as the human race. Still we won't follow Him, as, as you see, even Siri. Still we won't follow Him. And so we see more losses. We see the Ark of the Covenant comes as a great blessing to us, and then it's taken away from us. Our kings become so bad that we appoint judges to rule over us instead of them. We suffer famines. We suffer pandemics. We suffer wars. Satan is given free reign over the righteous Job to test him. But even his suffering is pleasant compared to what the souls in hell are experiencing. And then as the Old Testament continues, you see that we try to set up a kingdom here on earth. We try to have good times. We have, for example, the return from exile back to Jerusalem. We have the renewed commitment of the people during the time of Ezra the prophet. And then even David comes and he writes the prayer book of the church. He writes the Psalms that we continue to pray until this day. We have these good times as well. But the good times never last. Death continues to swallow us. Death continues to reign over us. And the ranks of those who are suffering in hell continues to grow because of the sin that has entered into the world through our disobedience. But then, on earth, for a while, everything is quiet. Everything is silent until a ladder, until a golden dish, until a rod, until a queen, until a gate is born of the human race. The Holy Virgin Mary is born in a miraculous way. She grows up in the temple in the presence of the Lord, serving Him from the age of three 
until she was around 14 or 15 years of age. And then as St. Paul says, when the time is right, the fullness of time is the expression that he uses. God sends his, his archangel Gabriel. He sends him to her to make an announcement. But in this announcement, God does not take away Mary's freedom. God does not force himself on her. And so Gabriel's announcement is really like a question. Mary, Holy Virgin, you have found favor with God. You will give birth to a son and will call him Jesus, and he will be great and reign forever. Are you willing to do this? Are you willing to be this person, this woman, this gate, this ladder, this golden dish, this rod? Are you willing to be she through whom God will send the Messiah, the Christ, to save the human race from the mess that we brought upon ourselves through our disobedience. And it's here when the Archangel Gabriel poses this question to the Holy Virgin Mary that we really experience that silence, as though all of creation is silent and just waiting in expectation. What is she going to say? Is she going to agree? What's going to happen at this point? Everything is silent. Everything is waiting. Everything is watching. Generations of human souls in hell, in the underworld, the lost and the broken persons on the earth, everything that is tainted by sin is waiting for the answer of the Holy Virgin Mary. And it is as though creation is saying, we have made such a mess of our world. What is your answer going to be, O pure Virgin Mary? And so we see that creation is essentially saying to St. Mary, save us by saying yes to God's plan as expressed by the Archangel Gabriel. Say yes to carrying our Savior in your womb for nine months and bringing him into the world so that he might save us. Say yes, because we are in need. We are in need of saving. Mary, what is your answer going to be? Think about this moment in time. And I want to say to you, brothers and sisters, that this moment continues in our lives until now. This moment where we await the arrival of Christ in our lives. Yes, He has come and He has given us everything that we need for our salvation, but we still stand, every person, in a moment of silence, waiting to accept what He has offered us, waiting to accept His sacrifice on the cross, waiting to believe in Him and live the life that He wants for us. So what is the Holy Virgin Mary's reply? She says, Let it be to me according to Thy word. And this is when creation, if you can imagine, was waiting in silence. This is when creation erupts in joy. This is why the hymnographers of our church can write verses, for example, in the Theotokeia, in the Saturday Theotokion, we, we pray, all of creation rejoices in thee. All of creation rejoices in you. Why? Because creation was waiting, waiting for the answer. And St. Mary says, let it be to me 
according to thy word, and the Son of God comes and dwells. He's incarnate of her and dwells in her womb. She gives birth to him. She raises him. She nourishes him. He learns from her, and he goes on to save us from the corruption and the sin and the death that we brought upon ourselves. And so what we celebrate in these coming two weeks or so is this woman, this remarkable, precious, lovely woman who said yes to God on behalf of all of creation, on behalf of the whole human race. And because of her yes, Christ came. Death was defeated. Hell was emptied. Suffering is made something that we still experience, but it's not permanent anymore. And eternal life is now available to everyone who believes and accepts the salvation that our Lord offers by believing in Him and working with Him. And so, if any of us have ever wondered what our devotion to St. Mary is, what is our relationship with her supposed to be? How does that relationship start? I submit that today, as we begin this vigil and as we begin this fast, we can start our relationship with St. Mary simply by saying thank you. Thank you for saying yes. Thank you for saying yes and ushering in the Savior of the world who saves us from our sins, who empties hell and gives us the chance to be with him for all eternity. And glory be to God forever. Amen.